Jude 9 is one of the strangest commands in the entire Bible to me. Well, let me start with Jude 8. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. So it's telling us that we need to be really careful in how we talk about spiritual things, because there is a lot going on in the unseen realm that we don't understand. And we get into trouble whenever we assume things, because we could assume a lot of things that are wrong. If you've been listening to this podcast, I've tried to share a lot of things about the spiritual realm, things that most Christians don't know about. Uh, the divine council, the sons of God, the scope of God's sovereignty. The unseen realm is a lot more complicated than simple angels versus demons. So Jude warns us to be careful in how we talk about spiritual beings. It says we might even inadvertently blaspheme good beings because we call something evil that is actually good. And that brings us to Jude 9. One of the strangest commands in the entire Bible. It tells us to to even temper the way in which we talk about God's enemy, the devil. Jude 9 says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So it's telling us right there. Be careful how you talk about spiritual beings. Even be careful that you don't disrespect the devil. That's quite an extreme example to go to when telling us that we need to show respect. So I find that to be weird, and I'd like to explore why it's in the Bible. So turn to Jude 9, and let's get weird. Welcome to Weird Stuff in the Bible, where we explore scripture passages that are bizarre, perplexing, or just plain weird. This is Luke Taylor, and today we're going we're gonna to be talking about R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and we'll find out what it means to thee. <laughs> and so we're continuing this strange book of Jude, and we're actually going to get through verse 10 today. Okay, we're taking our time with this book, and we're still in this section talking about when Michael got into a fight with the devil over the body of Moses. If that idea sounds completely foreign to you, if you have no idea when or why that happened, you'll want to go back and listen to the previous episode. For this time, I'm going to push forward from that because that episode was about establishing what happened. This time, I want to talk about why it happened or or what is Jude's purpose in bringing that story up. So let me read Jude 9 again. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment but said, the Lord rebuke you. I used a little bit different version that time because um, I, like, I like to read it in a few different translations because there's a lot of strange stuff going on here. I just want to get the full perspective. So he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And Jude's point, which I don't want to lose track of because of all the crazy stuff going on in that verse, Jude's point is that we shouldn't be speaking evil of others. But this has to be one of the, the strangest examples, like out of anything Jude could have used. He could have said, don't speak evil of Joe Biden. And I, I would have to be like, OK, Jude, I mean, that that's going to be hard. But you said it's you said so. I'm going to accept it. Your Bible. OK, I'm going to try not to do that anymore. I, I could give you a list of reasons that it's, it's OK for me to speak evil of Joe Biden. But you told me not to do it. So, OK, I won't do it. Th- that would have been a little tough command for me, but I, I could have accepted that. Jude could have said. Don't speak evil of Vladimir Putin. I would have been like, hey, Jude, Jude, 
you're asking a lot here, man. Like, th that's a madman. He invaded another country. I, I, I could have had a whole list about Putin and all the reasons that I shouldn't have to respect him. That would have been a hard thing for Jude to sell me on. But Jude didn't even go to Vladimir Putin. Jude could have said, don't speak evil of Kathleen Kennedy, who got the reins of the Star Wars franchise in 2012 and then immediately ran the whole thing into the ground. And I would have been like, Jude, Jude, come on, man, you crossed the line. You, you went too far this time. And, and then I would have wept for my childhood. And, and after some time, I would have wiped my tears and I would have turned back to Jude and I would have said, OK, I won't even speak evil of Kathleen Kennedy. I, I will show her some respect. But Jude doesn't go to any of those people whenever he gives his example in verse 9. Jude goes to someone else when he tells us that we need to show some respect. He leapfrogs President Biden, and Jude leapfrogs Vladimir Putin. Jude's example that he goes to when he's telling us to show respect is Satan. He says, don't even speak evil of those in authority. Don't even condemn Satan. Don't even blaspheme the devil. Wow, that is, that is probably the wildest example that he could have pulled out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> of all the people that Jude could have used as an example, he could have said people who ask questions during the movie while it's playing in the theater. But he didn't go there. He could have said people who put pineapple on pizza. But he didn't go there. Jude goes to the devil. So, you know, by the time you get to Jude in your Bible reading, you, you would think you had a pretty good handle on this Bible thing. I mean, this, this is here at the end of the book. Stuff should be pretty clear by this point, right? Angels good, demons bad, God good, Satan bad. And, and then Jude comes along and he's like, but you still be careful in how you talk about the devil. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? Why? <laughs> Why? Because we don't want to be like these people in Jude 10. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. So, you know what Jude is warning us about in this section? He says there is a lot going on in the spiritual realm, and we just don't get it. Okay, we just don't get it. And that's really been a kind of a recurring theme of this podcast. From the very beginning, I've been, I've been talking about territorial spirits, and God's divine counsel, and spiritual warfare, and different ranks of angels, and how we don't always use the precise vocabulary whenever we describe them. We don't get it, guys. This is why I did an episode a couple weeks ago about how God could even use Satan to accomplish his purposes. That means we might blame the devil for something that God actually did. So we got to be really, really careful about that. And that's Jude's warning for you and I. Uh, let's dig into this warning a little bit deeper. We talked about who Michael is last week. He is an archangel. He is one of the chief angels. And so he holds one of the highest positions in God's kingdom. He has a high position of authority. And this passage presents Michael in opposition to Satan. It's Michael versus Satan. Now, when you present one thing versus another thing, the literary implication is that these are two equal forces going head to head. You know, kind of like Godzilla versus King Kong. I didn't see the movie, but I think the idea there is that supposedly it's going to be some kind of fair fight, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be much of a movie. It wouldn't be much of a story. Two equitable forces facing off. If one is vastly more powerful than the other, like I said, it wouldn't be much of a movie then, okay? That's why Batman versus Superman was such a piece of trash. Those were not two equal forces. <laughs> there's, there's no way to make a good movie that gives you a good fight without, you know, you have to severely weaken Superman 
Uh, it was it was just a trash movie. You, it was so bad you think Kathleen Kennedy was behind that one too. But anyway, let me get back on point. This story has Michael versus Satan. It's not Jesus versus Satan. It's not God versus Satan. When God wants to put Satan in his place, God sends an angel to do it. You see it in the book of Revelation when God he sticks Satan in a bottomless pit and he's he sends an angel to throw him in there. Doesn't even say an archangel. It's just a regular old blue collar angel. Throws him in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. God can send an angel to take care of it. Satan is not a threat to God. He's not even really a threat to God's angels. And yet, Michael knew his place. And he knew it was not even right to speak evil against Satan. I mean, just think about that for a minute. I mean, seriously, if you got to pause the podcast for a little while and just soak in that, I mean, do it. Some versions translate this verse as calling Satan a dignity. You and I would probably not typically call him that. (laughs) But here's the thing. He had a position. And Michael respected the position, even the position of Satan. Um, Satan occupies a role that's kind of like a a prosecuting attorney. Um, I, I mean, God talks about having court and judgments and all that. And so I don't know that it's, you know, it it might not necessarily look like what a prosecuting attorney might look like in 21st century America. It might be a little different there, probably a lot different, but he had a position. He had a role. He was even called a dignity in some versions of the Bible. So Michael respected that role, that position, even though it was the devil's position. And so that is not how Christians today speak about Satan, not at all. I mean, if we're honest, Christians can get a little bit cocky sometimes in how they go speaking against the devil. Pastors can get a little cocky sometimes. And yet the Bible does not tell us to get cavalier about spiritual warfare. The Bible says these people blaspheme things that they do not understand. So if you're concerned about accidentally or carelessly doing this, and I think you should be a little concerned about it. Well, let's wrap up today with some thoughts on how we use our words. And let's talk, let's first talk about how we talk about people, and then we're going to work our way up to Satan. So, or work our way down. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know how you want to define it there. <laughs> let's be careful how we speak. First of all, let's be careful on how we speak against those in authority, in positions of authority. Let's start with humans here. The New Testament tells us to honor those in political authority. And we Christians aren't too good about this. Um, This is where President Biden and Vladimir Putin come in. You know, even whenever you don't feel much honor or respect for the individuals who hold their places, uh, you can still respect the office that that person holds. The New Testament also warns us, be careful how you speak against your enemies. And this is where Kathleen Kennedy and the pineapple pizza people come in. Romans 12, 18 says, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And so, you know, just when I, when I see people in positions of authority and how they squander it, how they make unwise decisions or sinful decisions, or they do wicked things, and I'm like, they're not going to be held accountable for it. That's when I go back to Romans 12, 18. God says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And so I, I apply that verse in, in situations all the time. And I feel better after I do it because um, I know God's going to hold everyone to account and he'll do a better job than humans are going to do at it anyway. 
And so God's going to take care of these things that, that it might look like people got away with it. God's going to wrap it all up someday. And so I apply that verse in a lot of situations, especially situations like with political leaders, things where I have no control. Um, another category, be careful how you speak about your fellow Christians. Don't curse other Christians. Zechariah 3 has a little story about a saved man. His name is Joshua. This is not the Joshua of the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. This is a, this is a high priest at the time that Zechariah was writing, and his name was Joshua. And he is standing before God. And Satan is trying to accuse Joshua of sin. But Joshua is a saved man. And so his sin is not going to make him appear unclean before God in this little story. It says in Zechariah 3, verses 1 and 2, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So there's that phrase again, just like in Jude, the Lord rebuke you. It means God is going to take care of you. Now, and then it had another phrase there. It said, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? It's talking there about Joshua. It's really talking about all of us. We deserve that fire of hell. But since we were saved, we were plucked from the fire. That, that's true of everyone who's a Christian. So it's showing us right there, we shouldn't speak evil of our fellow Christians. When you speak negatively against the church, you're speaking negatively against Jesus's wife. You know, I, I'm not saying we should pretend that the church is perfect, okay? By no means. But I think we should be careful in how we use our vocal judgments against it, okay? Just don't go beyond what is appropriate. I, I don't know if you remember, um, last time I talked about this, and I guess I touched on it today, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So whenever we act as the accuser of the brethren, who are we helping out whenever we do that? And just something to think about. And then finally, let's be careful in how we speak whenever we're engaging in spiritual warfare. We ourselves don't rebuke the demons. The Lord does. So we don't say, I rebuke you, Satan. That's not the biblical model. The Bible tells us to resist the devil, tells us to stand against the devil, but we leave the rebuking to the Lord. Reminds me of a story there in Acts 19. Um, I think it starts here at verse 13. It says, Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So right there is a, talking about a, a demon exorcism story, and they tried to do it in the name of Jesus, but they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. These were people who, they weren't Christians. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. Okay, so there's a little bit of difference there, and they weren't able to cast this demon out. It overpowered them. Okay, whenever you don't have Jesus in your life, you don't have authority over the demons. You don't have anything to protect you against the demons. But whenever you engage in spiritual warfare, and I hope you will, okay, don't, don't be intimidated out of it by this lesson today. We just want to do it the right way. So whenever you engage in spiritual warfare, make sure that you are relying on the power of God and how you approach it, and don't get cocky about it like these guys did. Don't get cocky about it like you're the one who's doing anything. Because the demon said, well, I know Jesus, but I don't know you. 
Okay, they don't need to know you, actually. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. So you have no power other than the power that is in your relationship with Jesus. You can't just talk about him. You need to know him. All right? And if you speak against the devil, I would just be careful not to go beyond what the Bible says. You know, I think so many Christians repeat things in their prayers that just sounds good to them because they heard some other Christians say it. Uh, you know, I think about that a lot. When I hear some Christians, they make bold declarations over their lives. They say, I declare this. I declare that. I'm drawing a circle around that. And um, I'm not saying it's always wrong. I'm not saying they're always sinning. I, I just get a little uncomfortable because I'm like, let's let's get back to the biblical language. Okay. I just think it'd be better. It'd be safer if we just stick to the biblical language in how we approach prayer. Uh, like I heard about a prayer meeting this past week and the speaker at the prayer meeting was telling God that, you know, he demanded something from God. He said, you know, I demand this and that in my prayer. And, the, you know, the things he was demanding sounded like good things, but I'm just not comfortable praying along with something like that. You know, telling God, I demand that he do what I want. I, I'm not saying there isn't a place for bold prayers. If you disagree, just email me, explain it to me, okay? But when Jesus told us to pray, what he said is we, we pray, thy will be done. Right there at the start, that's what you say, thy will be done. To me, that means I'm saying, God, I'm putting this prayer out there, and if it does not align with your will, you can toss it out because I want your will to be done above all else. And and I, I think that's the humble attitude that we should bring to prayer. And, and I think that humility gets lost whenever we get carried away with claiming or declaring things over our lives. And I think that kind of attitude will spill over into our spiritual warfare as well. Um, and so we sometimes we just need to take inventory and just return to how the Bible tells us to do it. And the Bible doesn't teach us to say, I rebuke you, Satan. It actually teaches us to say, the Lord rebuke you. So Jude 8 through 10 is about knowing our place and respecting the place of celestial beings, even beings like Satan himself. Next time on this podcast, I'm going to do a mailbag episode. And I know I kept saying I was going to do mailbag like the past few episodes, and then I never did. <laughs> I know that's kind of lame. So I apologize for that. Um, I'm just going to do the mailbag episode next week and just catch up on a lot of the feedback we've been receiving. I'm just going to get it all out there at once. And so make sure you're subscribed. You can come back and hear what other people are saying about these episodes, and we can talk about some of it. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed. And then after that episode, I'm going to take a little break for a few weeks. Um, when I started this podcast, I said I'd probably do a few months on and then take a month off here and there. And so it's just based really on the time I have available to work on this podcast. That this is probably a good schedule for me to keep is to do hit it hard for like three or four months straight and then take a little break. So I'm going to do the mailbag episode next week and then probably take the rest of February off. But we will be back in March and we're going to have some more weird stuff in the Bible to talk about. So in the meantime, if you need to get in touch, go to weirdstuffinthebible at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at weirdbibleguy. And so whenever we come back in March... I'll go ahead and read to you what we're going to be getting into. We're going to start talking about Jude 11. It says, Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Now, <laughs> that verse right there all by itself, it gives us a lot of material to work with. We're going to spend several lessons talking just about these things that show up in Jude 11. And we're going to, talk, we're going to cover topics like this. Why did God accept Abel's offering but reject Cain's. 
Who was the mysterious Balaam, a prophet who had a legitimate gift of prophecy, but he only cared about money? Does the Bible actually have a story about a talking donkey? And when was it that the ground opened up and dropped a bunch of people straight into hell? Not just when, but why? If you think all of that sounds weird, then I hope you're ready to come back and get weird with me in March. So thanks for listening. God bless you for sticking around till the end. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>